This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. We have been traveling through the book of Philippians, and today we wrap it up. Today I will be delivering our capstone sermon, which ties it all up. Philippians, as we have looked at, as we have seen going through, is about life in Christ. What does it mean to have life in Christ, to be, to live as a Christian? How is this done? And as we'll see here, it hinges largely upon having our minds focused on Christ, having the mind of Christ, putting the things of God first, before the world, before our own selfish desires. So, we are in chapter 4. And again, even though I'm going to be focusing primarily today uh, on the latter half or two-thirds of the chapter, we're going to go ahead and read the whole thing. So, chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever circumstance, excuse me, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but... I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. 
All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word and that you speak to us, that you have provided this, that we can read, that we can see your thoughts. Father, instruct us, please. Teach us, help us, teach us, show us, develop within us minds that seek after you, your kingdom, your face, your glory, first, foremost, and primarily. Teach us to live a life in Christ. In your most holy and precious name, amen. So last week, we saw that Paul was encouraging the people to have their minds set on the things of Christ, not on the things of the world. And how this applied specifically to a disagreement that had occurred in the Philippian church between two sisters who had served together with Paul in the mission and the ministry of the gospel. We saw that Paul knew what he was speaking about when he told people to have the mind of Christ and to set aside their personal preferences because Paul himself had been victim of his own selfish desires. He had had a beautiful partnership with Barnabas destroyed by human thinking. But we also saw that the Holy Spirit was able to bring about reconciliation. Now we continue this same theme and this same thought. I ended last week with verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I said that in order to have the peace of Christ that is beyond comprehension, we have to have our minds set on the kingdom, our minds set on Christ. When I am upset and worried and frustrated, it's because my thinking isn't godly thinking. It's not gospel thinking. It's, it's human thinking. It's Jason Franklin thinking. And Jason Franklin thinking is very different from Jesus Christ thinking. Continuing on, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Someone once told me that while people often think of the Bible as a book of rules, that it's not. It's not about don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. In fact, if we focus on don't, if we focus on simply trying not to misbehave, not to disobey, we are going to fail every single time. Rather, we should focus on doing the do's. If we do the do's, we won't have time or energy to do the don'ts. I think Paul is touching on this right here. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Many of you know that my day-to-day job, my 9-to-5 job, is in software development. And there's an old computer adage that is so true in our personal lives. That adage is garbage in, garbage out. In computer talk, that basically says that the computer only produces what you put in. 
If you input garbage data, you're going to get garbage results. And the same is true in our lives. If we fill our lives, if we fill our minds with garbage, then what comes out of our mouths and what our hands do and where our feet lead us, what our thoughts are going to be dwelling on, likewise is garbage. I remember years ago listening to a Christian radio station, and they had a challenge for people. Only listen to Christian music for 30 days and see what that does for you. And I found that to be interesting. And so I decided to give that a shot and see what happened. And I found that my attitude and demeanor really changed because my thinking was set on Christ. What was coming in through my ears was constantly either praise to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, or supplications and pleas to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Every song that I heard during that time focused my mind on Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not the kind of person who says, we need to only listen to Christian music and only read Christian books, but we do need to be aware of what we are putting into our minds and into our hearts. Because if we are consuming garbage, then we will spew garbage. That goes for social media. That goes for cable news media. That can even refer to the people that we hang around, our friends, acquaintances, etc. Are we surrounding ourselves with people that build us up, that encourage a relationship in Jesus Christ? One of the things that I've told all of my kids as they reach that teenage level where they start to look at people uh, of the opposite sex and, and, and start thinking about boyfriend, girlfriend, dating, etc., and so on, my advice is always find somebody. My advice is always run as hard as you can after Jesus and see who's keeping up and then introduce yourself. And that's not just about relationships in the dating arena. But relationships in general, I think, it's a, it's, it's a pretty good piece of advice. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't have non-Christian friends. Of course we should because we are to be missionaries. I was telling my community group that I meet with a group of people on a monthly basis to play games and such. It seems totally frivolous. But it gives me an avenue to breathe grace into people's lives. And just a couple months back, one of these people that, that I meet with on a regular basis purchased a Bible and has been reading daily. And it was so neat to see a little seedling start to sprout after two years of pulling rocks and planting seed and watering and cultivating. Finally, I see a little sprig. That is a blessing. So I'm not saying that we separate ourselves from the world completely and disassociate ourselves from those around us. Absolutely not. But how are you filling your mind? That's the key. Paul then begins to address the Philippian church talking about support and the giving of gifts. He, he, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. 
you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, this church, and he goes on to explain it, when he, went, when he left Philippi and went on his journey, this church supported him. Now, let me give you a little reminder, refresher, uh, if you know your book of Acts, and, um, or if you've not read it, let me give you a little bit of instruction here. When Paul went to Philippi, he was preaching down by the riverside. And it was there that he had his first converts, one of whom was a woman named Lydia. Lydia was a very wealthy woman. She, we are told in Scripture, was a merchant, a dealer in purple cloth, which was a very expensive cloth. And she became sort of the, the matriarch of the church in Philippi at the time, more than likely housing the church or letting the church gather in her home, put Paul up. And so during that time when Paul was ministering in Philippi, he was quite literally living in the lap of luxury. He had a very wealthy patron. Things were good financially. Well, and things were good spiritually because people started coming to Christ. He was planting seeds. The Holy Spirit was causing it to grow. It was an amazing thing. And then he goes on from there, and the church at Philippi provided for him as he moved on from there. So now there's been a significant period of time and he is rejoicing that once again, they have sent him a care package. They've sent him some financial support. And they did so um, through one of the members of the church there. And he rejoices. But then he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. He's not going, oh, Thank you for sending that money. I was just at my wits end trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. I was running out of options, didn't know where to go, didn't know where to turn. I was worried sick about how I was going to continue in this ministry. And wow, just out of the blue, this showed, thank you so much. That is not the attitude. He's saying, I really wasn't in need. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul had learned to be content, to be content in whatever circumstance he found himself. Contentment. Remember, we ended last week talking about the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this week, we're taking a look at contentment. How many of us, how many of us can honestly say we are content? Contentment seems to be in opposition to how we have framed the American dream. Contentment seems to be in direct opposition to how we organize our lives. Contentment is definitely in opposition to Madison Avenue and the ad machine, which is constantly trying to make us discontent with what we have, with our circumstances, and constantly wanting us to grasp for more. But Paul is saying that I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then he caps that statement off with verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I want to address that very briefly, or maybe not so briefly. I am a Baptist minister after all. Verse 13 is one of the most 
misquoted or taken out of context, quoted out of context verses in all of Scripture. One of the most. I didn't say the most, but one of the most. I have seen so many Christian videos, movies, heard lessons, etc., that take this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and twist it to mean, you know, I can do anything I set my mind to. Now, I'm not saying they're not well-meaning. They are. But that's not what the verse is saying. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, doesn't mean that, you know, if I study really hard, I can pass this class. That if I work really hard, I'll get that raise. Or if I save up my money, you know, if I just, through, through Jesus Christ, I can get that new truck, that new job, that new house. That's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is, through Jesus Christ, even though I study really hard and apply myself and I fail, I can be okay with that. I can not be okay as far as, oh, well, that's too bad and I'm not going to... No, being okay meaning it's not going to destroy me. I'm not going to think that Jesus Christ failed me. whether in plenty or in need. If I don't get that raise, if I don't get that house, if I don't get that car, I have Jesus Christ, and that, that is more than enough. Paul had said in here that he has been well paid. He says in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied He's not talking about the financial support he got from Philippi specifically. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul said, Pastor Adam preached way at the beginning of this whole thing. Paul said that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul already has his full payment, salvation through Jesus Christ. And Paul, we know through other passages, sometimes worked to support himself in the mission. So receiving financial support from a church, that was above and beyond. That was amazing. That was great. That was, that was icing on the cake. Now, he says here, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, not because he was in need, but because he knows that this generosity on the part of the Philippian church will be to their own credit. He rejoices that the Philippian church has once again resumed supporting him. Because this will be put into their account. It's good spiritually for them to support, not just Paul, but other Gospel ministers. Most of us know the statement, it is more blessed to give than to receive. A generous heart is a happy heart. How many other phrases like that can I come up with? 
some of which are scripture and some are not. But this provision, this giving of gifts, this supplying the need of gospel workers wasn't so much because Paul and his ministry partners needed it, but because the Philippians needed to do it. It was a wealthy church that needed to keep itself humble before God by sacrificing their wealth. Scripture tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. In fact, let's take a look here. Let's turn, if you would, please, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And we are going to start in verse 19. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not more value th- are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God is so, so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Contentment. Contentment comes when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Contentment comes when we are focused on Jesus Christ. Set our minds on Him. Everything that we do in our individual lives, but even more importantly, corporately as a church, as the local manifestation of the body of Christ here in the the East Leewood, Northeast Leewood area, Southeast Kansas City area. All of that, it's so important to be focused first and foremost on magnifying and glorifying God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. We started off this whole series by talking about joy in Christ. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is dependent upon what is happening to you. But true joy 
comes despite circumstances when we are focused on Jesus Christ. It's a lot easier to deal with the struggles of this world when we are banking on the promise that God will set it all right. The economy is struggling. We're still in the midst of a global pandemic. And yes, we think we, we are starting to see the light at the end of that particular tunnel, but that shouldn't matter to us in the long run. We are focused on Christ. If you are anxious about your life, if you are anxious about what's going on in the world and the riots going on in our country, regardless of which side of the argument you fall on, we must focus on Christ and brothers and sisters, faith, family. That's the only way that we're going to come to a middle ground because I know in our church, we have people on both sides of this fence and in the middle of the fence. And rather than vilifying each other, we need to have the minds of Christ to consider the other, to set ourselves last. A pastor I know whom I worked very closely with when I was the director of the men's shelter for the Eureka Rescue Mission would always challenge the members of our New Life Discipleship Program with this, joy. How do you spell joy? Joy is spelled J-O-Y. It's Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Faith family, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. We can get through any pandemic, any economic downturn, persecution. We have brothers and sisters around the world who deal with that on a daily basis. And they do it through the power of Jesus Christ. They do all things through him who strengthens them. So let us turn our minds to Christ. Let us seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, may you be glorified. Thank you that you forgive us our sins. Please forgive us. Please bring us to a point of repentance. Please help us to seek you first. Please, Father. If you would, please use us to help heal the hurts around us. But help us to trust you in all things and through all things. Help us to bank on your promises and to know that you are sovereign. Thank you for loving us more than we could possibly imagine. In your most holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. 
thank you for joining us online. Leeway Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewaybaptist.com. Thank you.